leave your dice behind and grab your player's handbook and your dungeon master's guide. This is a episode of Under the Table. Hello, everyone. My name's Jeremy. I'm the dungeon master for Fate's Gambit. If you don't know who I am, then I'm honestly not sure why you're listening to this episode first. But, oh well. Today, I have Nate with me here. He plays uh, Lucas in Fate's Gambit. Hey. One of the reasons why we're doing this sort of uh, side session thing is because, I mean... You, you you listen to us play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons um, over over the campaign of Fate's Gambit and the side quest and all that other stuff, but um, I think it's be it would be interesting to kind of give our perspective on um, how we approach certain things. Um, and I think one of the one of the beginning things that uh, a lot of people do is well, you have to create a character. If you're going to be a player in a campaign, you have to create a character. Um, so I thought it'd be a good idea to kind of ask uh, questions from the different guys uh, who are with me in Fate's Gambit um, to actually see, because I know there's a bunch of different approaches for how people create characters. So, Nate, you play Lucas for Fate's Gambit. Um, what, was the, what was the original in inspiration for Lucas? Original inspiration for Lucas. Yeah. Um, let's see, it's been probably close to a year now since I yeah. since I dripped him up. I I think um I had just come off of um Out of the Abyss, obviously. Yeah. Um, well, uh, obvious to to the two of us, anyway. Yeah, I, um, out of the we did a, a a previous campaign where Nick was actually running it. That's not recorded. Um, where all of all of the rest of the group were players. Um, so we had just come off of that campaign, and then I started Fate's Gambit. And um, in that game, uh, I played a uh, an elf fighter. Um, who was over to who was had multiclassed into wizard, and um, he was an arcane archer, so he did have a, um some kind of magical flair, um, to him, um, and or ordinarily I would probably have strayed away from playing a fighter, um, again quite so quickly. I think the reason that I wound up choosing a fighter, um. There were a couple of factors, uh, one of which was the, the party composition that we have right now. We have um, the monk, we have a monk, we have a bard, um, and we have a rogue. And it seemed to me that a monk was probably not um, sufficient as a frontline. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm notoriously very bad at um, building a character before I know what the rest of the party composition is. Um, because there's, there's always a part of me that feels that it's my responsibility to round out um the party yeah so um i i'm i i've tried before to um to make characters regardless of what the rest of 
um, the players are, are doing, and I find it very difficult. So mm-hmm. I don't recall for certain if that played into it on this one. I feel like it probably did. I think there um, was otherwise, a little bit. Otherwise, I don't think that I would have played a fighter um, quite so soon. Um, and there were there were other options. Obviously, I could have played a paladin, or um, I could have played a paladin or a cleric, or um, I don't know. There there are a couple of classes that work well as frontliners. Yeah. Um, the barbarian, perhaps. Um, but I I was interested in the cavalier. I I think. I don't recall if at the time the Cavalier had been published in, I think it's Xanathar's Guide, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it is um, Xanathar's Guide. It probably was out um, already, but I was I was interested in the Cavalier um, even from when it came out in Unearthed Arcana many years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it had caught my eye, and so it was on my to-do list. So I think those two factors combined were had me interested in, interested in playing a Cavalier. And I think the final factor, I don't know... I, th- I think the reason that I chose a Halfling was because I've never played one before. Um, yeah. And I see them played um, much less than a lot of the other races. Particularly, like, um, in, in, um, in Tolkien's universe, the, you've got the, 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 the four good races are... The, the men of the West, the elves, um, yep. the dwarves, and the halflings. In D anD D, I believe even in the, in the Forgotten Realms, even uh, those four races are supposed to be the most plentiful. Yeah, and yet I see so few halflings played um, compared to the other three. It seems, which is um, honestly like I I kind of think that's really weird because from a from a gameplay standpoint, I mean they have their like lucky racial trait so it seems yeah, like there's pretty it, good there's there's good incentive to play a halfling yeah yeah I, th- I thought so too i was pretty impressed with the uh the racial features um the 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 physical drawbacks of being smaller probably should manifest themselves more um in the game than they do which probably is um that probably depends on how um particular your dm is willing to be about like the reach of your arm or whatever else um the game does limit um the speed of a halfling um that's true makes sense um but that's one of the reasons that i i found the cavalier halfling combo so interesting because it allowed me to kind of negate um some of the drawbacks of being a halfling um my reach in melee is extended um, by nature of having a lance. And, right. Uh, well, I'm mounted anyway. Yeah. And um, uh, my speed is not imp- uh, impeded, although right. I suppose I'm still, you know, probably slower than uh, mounted characters would be. Yeah, I think that's just because you're um, you're on a pony, whereas others would be on proper horses. Right. <clears throat> right. So I, that the the dynamic of putting a halfling on a horse and dressing him up as a knight that was kind of an archetype that I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think it, in the stories that I see online about halflings, they're almost always um, trickster characters, and I and I think yeah. uh, Lucas has some of that. Yeah, um, but I but I wanted to 
make him less um I didn't want him to be a rogue or um uh or like uh I don't know what do people play halflings as bards <laughs> or something you know like yeah. they're always they're always um they play to their strengths and I wanted to do something different um yeah I wanted to do something different so the the idea of of making a cavalier halfling was seemed seemed interesting to me so I think those are the three primary reasons one party composition two I had an interest in cavalier and three the um halfling cavalier combo was something that interested me both mechanically and um from a storytelling perspective yeah it at least from your description it sounded like his personality kind of arose from his basically the the class that you had been building um yeah yeah the the fact that um i was going to make him a cavalier necessitated that certain things happen you know uh, uh in his backstory and it required certain things from his personality i i felt yeah so yeah that did mean that um for instance um I, I i there were a lot of ways i could have put a halfling on a horse um but mm-hmm. the way that i chose to do it was that it was his 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 dream um and part of that i think um is um my last character oh yeah this is this this is good we should talk about this um yeah my last character is a reluctant adventurer he does not want to be adventuring right which is um uh, it, it it can work and um nick who dm'd that game did an excellent job um kind of putting a ring through my nose and leading me around right um which which worked excellently and i was on board with that um that said i don't think that i don't think that that's a good idea and i do not think that most characters should be built that way it seems it seems to me that the average adventurer should be interested in adventuring right um and so i did want to make a departure from that with this character so i made him um he he's he is very interested in glory and for that reason um he uh adventuring is something that falls to him yeah i I kind of had like a little bit of experience playing the reluctant adventurer when I played Theodore in the the side quest and like honestly you can only really have one of those kinds of characters in the party like you have more than one it's just I, I mean it's it's going to be a mess yeah. for the DM <laughs> well figuring out how to align the interests of multiple reluctant members is yeah is difficult yeah. Uh, as the DM, but also you just kind of wind up turning into a kind of a you know bunch of downer pessimist kind of. It, it can yeah. throw off the atmosphere of the party if you're if you if you don't um, consciously think about it. Right. Um, yeah. I I tried to I, I I tried to think about that when I was playing Arbane, my elf uh, my elf fighter in the last yeah. campaign. But it did always kind of feel like he was, um, I don't know, I don't know if edgy is the right term, but um, uh, admittedly, some pretty horrible things happened to that to our party. So yeah, some of it is probably justified. But he was like, he was interested in one thing, and that was getting home, and everything else that got in the way was a was a bother. 
Right. Um, so, and I, I, that was definitely something that I, 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 I didn't, I, I just, it just occurred to me just how much I departed from it. Cause, uh, this character has no interest in returning home and actually ran away from his home. Right. Lucas, that is. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I did that on purpose, but it, it, um, I think it was a natural consequence of, of my desire to make him, um, an adventurer at heart. Right. And I think, I think maybe that over time he will learn that, um, there is a value to peace and quiet and, um, that he'll come to appreciate his home, but that's not, um, that's more interesting, I think, than, um, or I don't know if it's more interesting, but it's more conducive to a D and D game right. than than um, the opposite. Um, right, a character that just wants to go home and maybe along the way learns to appreciate adventure. Yeah, um, one of the one of the topics that Nick and I uh, like discussed a little bit uh, when we, we when we were talking. Um, if you haven't listened to that one. We're gonna. I'm. I'm gonna reference some of that. But we talked about like creating character backstories and giving. Uh, Nick likes to call it giving the DM handles for your character. Um, mm-hmm. it's really important that you do that so that the DM can engage your character. And I think one of the one of the things that I like about both of your characters that you've created is that um, uh, Arbane, your your um, elf from oh, the previous okay. campaign. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, is like has that with um basically he's being forced to do things because Ogma has has his family or, or his home and kind of a his a grip um and whereas so that's like an outside force being uh kind of like giving the handles to your DM by controlling sure. some sort of outside force mm-hmm. um, and that's the only way to play uh, an unwilling adventure. Oh yeah, absolutely. You have to you have to hand over uh, your your free will for your character. Something has to be more important to your character than going than 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 you know finding the nearest tavern and drinking right. their sorrows away. Right, exactly. Um. <laughs> and like that's that's also something like I one of the reasons like I really enjoy playing Theodore because he that is something I haven't played before. Um, yeah, and it's it's basically the same kind of idea. Is he has this patron that he's signed a contract with, and he has to follow that contract. Um, I think the overwhelming majority of our characters found themselves in that position in um, Spell Jammed. Yeah, that, wouldn't you say that's true? I think yeah. of the four of us, at least three of us had. Um, something taken from us that we wanted to get right back. yeah right we we may not have departed otherwise right yeah although i'm not sure my character might have gone anyway i'd have to think about that <laughs> yeah um but yeah with with lucas it's kind of like it's interesting because I think from from a uh, from a DM perspective, it, Lucas is a, ro- a lot easier to run as a D like to kind of drag along as a DM because all you literally oh, yeah. need to do is like just dangle a carrot in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with with Arvin, it's a little more difficult because you essentially have to kind of force him to do things. Um, right. There are so, no it the there are the carrots that he is willing to follow are 
few and far between and it's it's diff more difficult to to right. pick those out um especially if there isn't a rod yeah um yeah he's he's much more motivated um by certain um detriments than he is by by certain consequences of failure to act than right. he is by um potential gain so kind of talking about like I, I mean we we talked a little bit about the i'll say the different backstories and stuff and how you how you've kind of designed your uh, lucas and arbane your previous character um is there is there a particular uh aspect of character creation that you enjoy more than others like I don't know. Like, is picking is picking out the class and like what abilities he'll have more interesting to you, or is it the kind of creating the backstory and how how your character's personality is, and or is it just kind of like all one big thing to you? I really like making characters, and the an opportunity to do so is always um, thrilling, and I think. Um, it's the sheer number of possibilities that's really kind of fun for me. I almost enjoy mm -hmm. thinking about making characters more than I do actually sitting down and doing it. <laughs> um, but, and, and I, the, I can, I, everybody experiences this, I think, where you, you make a character and then a couple weeks later you're like, I have another idea for a character that I would like even better than this one. Right, <laughs> and I think every I think everybody feels that way, and yeah. that happens to me constantly. I'm constantly thinking of interesting um, characters um, that I would that I would like to play. But um, there is there a particular part of character creation that I enjoy most? I don't enjoy the dice rolling because it, <laughs> it, it's all it's always terrible to me. Yeah, um, but uh, I I I like. Um, I, I really enjoy characters that this is kind of a tangent. I like it when yeah. characters have um a really good stat and one or two bad ones. Um I like I like it when there's um the character has technical um strengths and weaknesses, not just aesthetic ones, I guess. Yeah. For lack of a better term. Um so yeah. Uh, I, I do enjoy um, having characters that have a minus one or a minus two. Um, uh, that can be hard um, if you don't also have one or two good stats. Um, right. But it but both of those things allow for interest. They kind they inform roleplay, um, and I think that's much more interesting than having a character that's all twelves. But, you know, like, you know, he's kind of good at everything, like, but only kind of, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's much more interesting to have a character that's, um, I don't know. Um, I mean, the stereotypes, of course, are the fantastically strong character with no brains. And, right. Um, the very smart wizard that can't lift anything. Um but uh, I mean, you can go beyond those tropes, and and there are there's a lot of space to work with in between. You could make the the, the strong wizard or the um, you know the intelligent um, barbarian. Those are those are things you can do, um, right? 
and uh, and that's I, I think that um, that is frequently missed um, because and I don't know how you fix this, but the dice do tend to favor certain averages. Yeah, and as a consequence, you wind up um, and nobody nobody's going to put uh, if, if the dice don't fall that way. Nobody is going to uh, to take the extra time to put their extra dice, their extra um, their extra plus ones at level four and uh, level eight, I think, into um, stats they don't need that aren't important. Um, right. So you don't wind up seeing those kinds of characters, um, and I think that's a shame. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure how you remedy that. Um, probably rolling dice in order uh, after you've chosen. <laughs> class and uh and, oh, and race but um yeah i think there's a reason they used to do that and i think that's probably part of it um but the culture has changed so much um that i don't know that i would force that um on a party today that wasn't um not only consenting but interested in that kind of game yeah um but it is something that uh, i think about from time to time yeah, this is entirely tangential to what you actually asked, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I like the. I guess the initial purpose is to just get like each player's take on character creation in general, sure, not yeah. just. Um. So, the um, I I agree. Uh, and, and this is coming from the someone whose previous character is Goody McMister, good at everything. The character. Yeah. Um. I mean, <laughs> part of that is just. I assume. Yeah. Okay. Part, part part of that is just like that's that's literally what being a bard does is it gives you like expertise or uh jack of all trades is literally jack of all trades is let's say class feature yeah. yeah um and because having having negative abilities or negative ability scores um gives you uh or bonuses rather um gives you uh it it forces you to try and solve problems in a creative way which i really like um right one of i mean one of my favorite moments in D D is when you take uh a, a problem and you solve it in a uh a novel or unique way um mm. out, like kind of outside of the ordinary um yeah. any any time the players come up with a solution that the dm didn't foresee that yeah. makes sense in universe that's a good moment yeah absolutely i i love that as a player and as a dm um and kind of another uh, another benefit of having characters that aren't good at something um and specialize in something else is that i mean this kind of depends on the rest of the the rest of the party but um just having built-in mechanisms for uh to share the spotlight with other players mm -hmm. um so that it's not oh well this person's good at everything we'll so we'll just have them do whatever it is we need done um right. yeah actually having to talk with your party and kind of work out okay who's good at this and uh how do we how do we how do we get this done because we need someone who's good at this and someone who's good at this and there's a little bit more planning involved rather than eh, we'll just figure it out when we all run in there we all have plus two to everything it's fine yeah um I think oh, uh, this this leads into something that's somewhat unrelated to to character creation. So I don't know if you want to get into this or not. Um, sure. But the 
um, there's a tendency, um, I don't know if this is specific to 5e or if this has happened in previous editions of the game, but um, frequently when there is a challenge of some kind, an ability check, yeah. um, that is not a saving throw. Um, so, so, for instance, um, the party encounters uh, some artifact, and yeah. um, there is... Uh, there, there may be, for instance, a, a secret button on it or, or something. Um, yeah. It doesn't necessarily make sense for the entire party to make an investigation check. Right. But it seems to be very commonplace for that to happen. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's not the way that the game was ever meant to be played. Um, and I think that part of that is because everybody, as a rule, people seem to wind up with at least um, above average stat lines. Right. Like right. All of all of their stats are pluses, so they're like, "Why shouldn't I make a check on this?" Right. Yeah. That is I don't interesting. Know, that's just a, a side note. Yeah. Yeah. No. That that is really interesting. Um, I think your way way back your original question was, "What is your favorite part of character creation?" <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know if I gave that a very good answer. Uh, I I I talked about how um i enjoy thinking like dreaming up new characters and then yeah. the the actual technical aspect of it is is enjoyable um but uh oh uh, my favorite part of 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 that i like um i think i guess i'll say this i think my favorite part is trying to choose a class and a race um that are not that have not been done to death yeah. Um or at least if they have been done to death to try to give them a little bit of a unique um my own like interesting take on them. And yeah. sometimes the way that you can do that is by um picking a um background that's interesting um mm -hmm. that kind of turns the trope on its head or or something like that yeah and I, you don't even you don't necessarily need to subvert expectations all the time either right um but it, it is it is fun to me to pick um a to try to find a way to make a class and a race and um potentially a background as well kind of work mm -hmm. together to make something um I mean, there's nothing really new. Everything, every combination that has ever ex that there possibly is has been played. Yeah. I'm sure, but to come up with something that is um, interesting, technically, even before you start putting down a backstory on paper, um, uh, that is that is an interesting process to me. Um, mm -hmm. Not just because it, because because when 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 you say. Um, I have the Hills Farm merchant background on on Lucas, which <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not from Hills Farm because of uh, it, lore reasons, um, but I have that background um, right. because I'm fr I'm from the Moon Sea, so it's it's not a big deal. I'm from a different city, but it's it's the same kind of idea. Yeah. Um, but that the, the merchant background on a halfling cavalier is already, I think, an interesting and compelling um combination yeah 
and um, kind of, I think, I think that picking those things can springboard you into an interesting backstory. It already has you thinking about what kind of person and what kind of events would, would lead to a person that would match this description. Right. Um, so I do think that I tend to approach the technical side before I start to think about backstory and personality. It would be interesting sometime to try to do it the other way around. That's, that's I, actually, I, I, that's, I've never tried to do that. Yeah. That's actually really interesting because I, I think I actually approach, I, I, I approach character creation from uh, actually that other way where it's, um, my, my stats are largely driven by what I, uh, by what I think the character is. So, uh, example being Yashrin, like Yashrin. Okay. So Yashrin's a bard. And if you're going to make a bard, typically you're going to dump everything into charisma because they're a bard. Um, and like kind of, you know, play everything else out. Um, Yashrin's highest stat is dexterity. Um, and the, the reason why I, that's the case is, um, you wanted a high AC. I see right through you. <laughs> no, uh, it, it's because um, my my initial um, image of who Yashrin was going to be and who Yashrin is like kind of progressing to be is um, I wanted him to be a bard that was kind of like in the thick of things, like in, in the thick of combat. Um, the the image of him is like I guess more of a like making quips and kind of dodging around whoever's trying to attack him while taunting them the whole way and that sort of thing. Um, and, um, originally like kind of being a little bit of a daredevil, that, that, uh, characterization has changed over the course of the game. Um, like, I, I think I kind of had that idea of going through the, the, um, Lost Minds campaign, um it, that was a but long time ago yeah that was a long time ago um what, but, did we determine that, that was late 2017 early so, 2017 something like that Crazy. um and so um a lot of my character decisions were based off of backstory like it's it's it was purely based off of role play um the technical this, the, decisions were based on role play yeah um, the, like the, I created, I created the story essentially of him going, having an apprentice and being kind of betrayed and trying to get out of the, the tyrant's dungeon and then went, okay, I know he's a bard because that's the kind of what I wanted him to do. And then took the college of whispers because that made sense because, um, like if you're gonna start doing sneaky stuff to escape from some place, that sort of thing, then we'll we'll take the College of Whispers. Um, so this um, this makes sense. So, so so this this make this sounds like your um, story and and I mean and uh, to some degree I did some of what you're describing with Arvin as well. Um, mm -hmm. So he's multiclassed into wizard. But where where I was going with that was um, you. What you're saying is that your um, 
story, the story that you wanted your character to follow informed um, your technical decisions. Yes. Um, did that extend to actually building the character to begin with? Did you did you understand who he was before you decided that he was a bard and that he was a half elf, for instance? Um. Did you did you have the personality in mind, the personality, and maybe even some of the backstory in mind before you knew the yeah. the, the concrete details? Yeah, I I I sorta like I I think the the idea of him being a bard was something that was I I, I think I decided on beforehand um because uh, like with the with the party makeup uh, i i mean i kind of did the whole like okay what's what's the rest of the who else is what's everyone else doing um yeah but i also yeah um what was our party then we had a bard a druid a fighter and and whatever happened to be playing at the time because he, he kind of moved around a lot. Yeah, he was playing a cleric um, when we first uh, added him to the group. Yeah. And then when uh, Dorn met an unfortunate end, right. um, we had the dwarf character um, that took over that for was him for just... a little bit. Yeah. Um, that I don't recall... I don't recall what class he was. Uh, rogue. A... No, that was the gnome. Was it a gnome? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the there gnome. Were two. Sorry. Yeah, the yeah. The dwarf I left us in that. the Underdark. Yeah, because he wanted to make armor or something. Yeah, I right. forgot about was that. Was he a paladin or a cleric? What was he? I can't recall. Uh, I don't or think he was either. He, I'd... Gosh, I don't Josh remember. Josh, fix it in post. Yeah, Josh, did add in... <laughs> at... Add in what you were. <laughs> the Dwarven Fighter, Tordek Iron Fist. Perfect. Now now that he has told you what he was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we can, we'll pretend that we, we know what yeah, he said. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, and then his gnome was a rogue. And then mm -hmm. the gnome left us because he got his actual character that he wanted to play. Right. Who was an ASMR, if I'm remembering correctly. An yes. ASMR... Uh, Multi-class cleric paladin. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the uh. So we kind of had our divine caster added to the group late, but that yeah. is what the role that he has continued to fill. Um, yeah. For the longest stretch of time, like the, the largest proportion of the time that he's been with us. So we had our right. divine caster. We had um our druid who was a spe effectively our spell caster. Right. Um. You were acting as our bard for utility, I suppose. Yeah. Just yeah. any anything we happen to need. Right. Um, That's. And yeah. then I was a fighter, which was a much needed role because we and and to be fair, the druid can tank, but right. um, that was kind of my role was to to try to um, deal a lot of damage as the fighter and right. Uh, I did have a decent number of hit points for a while. Um, but then story, the, the, the story started to demand that I move into um, Wizard. Right. Which has done interesting things to the balance um, 
of the party. Right. And uh, we kind of, we've joked about this. I think we might have joked about it um, in some of the early episodes, actually, that the mm-hmm. pendulum has swung dramatically the other direction. Um, that that our, our previous party, every one of us was a spellcaster. Right, yeah. And um, this party... The only one of us that can cast anything is um, our. The well, that's not true. the The monk is is going to pick up a whole bunch of spells. Yeah. But um, yeah, the the bard is our spellcaster um, for the time being, and that's not even true. What am I talking about? Uh, Isaiah's got uh, Eldritch Blast. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm making stuff up. Anyway, <laughs> it, it it's it's a it's definitely a party that. Um, the classes, if you were to just see the which classes we were playing, it you would not immediately think, yeah, that it was a spellcasting heavy party. Yeah, um, and w- which was what I originally thought, and now, but right. now that I think about it, I'm realizing that I'm the only person who won't be casting any spells. Right. Um. Unless I multi-class into wizard again. <laughs> I could talk for ages about like the 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 old campaign. Uh, oh yeah. But, there are a lot uh, of interesting party uh, composition, party dynamic uh, dynamics, um, yeah, moments to consider. Yeah, in um, that campaign, <laughs> <laughs> some very good, some, some not so much. <laughs> we will never talk about again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. In the previous campaign, we basically, um, starting from in out of the abyss, we like had to escape from the underdark, um, mm-hmm. and it, I don't think a lot of I'll say character growth or changes happened during the underdark. At least not for me. Um, obviously, Josh lost his character and then lost another character. Well, decided he didn't want to play the second character. And then, <laughs> and then his third, he had to ditch because there. I think I what happened was the second character he was playing only to fill the time. Right between he had he had his ASMR put together. Yeah. Shortly after he lost his cleric. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to. He wanted uh, the introduction of that character to make sense. So he was waiting until we left the Underdark. Um, to Not in, not only until we left the Underdark, but also um, until we'd reached a, a point where it made sense to introduce that character. Right. And it wound up that it took a much greater number of sessions than he had anticipated. Yeah. So, so as a result... Throw in another um, character. Right. He threw in the dwarf. Um and the dwarf stuck with us until we were about to leave the Underdark, and he expected that the ASMR would be introduced the next uh, episode as we, yeah. were, we were preparing to leave, um, was it Blue Stone? Yeah. Um, and what, what actually happened was it took us a whole bunch of episodes just to get up to the surface. <laughs> or not episodes, but sessions, you understand yeah, sessions. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and once we finally did reach the surface, it still wasn't a good time. Right. So I, I don't think he played anything at all during the period of time we were moving to the surface. What did he do? Uh, he, he did play... Oh, uh, no, he was playing the the, the rogue, the, the, the gnome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was playing... It wasn't even a gnome, it was a Swerf Meblin, right? 
think so. Uh, and he he guided us to the to the surface. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That was how we were introduced to that character, and yep. we got stuck with him. And then we parted ways with him. Let's say. Yeah. Um, and there may have been a short period of time following that um, that he was he was characterless. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was more than a full session, though. No, I don't think so. Um, but then we met up with his ASMR character, and I suspect that he uh, coordinated with Nick um, when that character would be introduced, and that was why the known character left us on the terms that he did. Yeah. At the time that he did. Yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. None of my, this is relevant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> my uh, my initial reason for bringing this up is like in it, kind of the spin up of the, the, the campaign, like there wasn't too much, I'll say, character growth because there was still a lot of like trying to set up the story, put things in place. We had to escape the Underdark, that sort of thing. Um, and. I, I, I guess I. We were so busy running away from things, there wasn't a lot of time to consider character growth. Right, right. Um, I guess I'm curious as to like I, I at least from a DM perspective, I kind of feel like the Fate's Gambit so far has kind of been along those lines. Like I've kind of thrown you guys onto a, a roller coaster ride that is just now starting to like allow that type of growth i don't know if lucas has changed much since initial like beginning of the campaign till now or oops he's um, seen some stuff um that he's never seen before for sure yeah um because for all of his talk he's done remarkably little um by way of adventuring up to this point so right um he's getting some good experience under his belt one thing I, I could talk about briefly, I don't know if you had something you wanted to get onto. Mm-mm. No, go ahead. Um, he, uh, I, I, had, I had initially intended to make it a little bit more obvious that he was clueless and afraid. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that I did, I don't think that I committed to that. Um, I think I could have conveyed it much better if I'd wanted to. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I never really committed to making it happen. Um, and I think Part of the reason for that is because um, my, my thought was that in the first couple actual encounters that we had as a, as a party, that mm-hmm. he would not fail, but that he would show that he was afraid and um, that perhaps he would, I don't know, I don't know that he would hide or, or, or anything, but it would become apparent to the rest of the party that he was maybe not quite as uh, incredible as he claimed to be. Right. Um, or at least, at least it should be hinted that that was the case. Yeah. Um, through the way that he conducted himself in combat. And I kind of dropped the ball on that. I think I should have committed to that harder. Mm. Um, because as it is, he's been very competent, actually. And I don't know that that was ever my intention. Right. It's, it's tough when you actually get into a fight and you're playing D&D. Right. To, under, to intentionally underperform. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is really interesting. Um, cause like we, I mean, we even kind of made jokes about it with um, the uh, the uh, I guess the like super the dream sequence episode. Uh, right. Yeah, I have uh, already convinced that I'm uh 
like a monster slayer yeah 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 it could be interesting um that's still i mean it's not too late we could still play with that oh yeah absolutely um there could come a time when um i'm trying to remember what uh oh it was the, it was the mention of the beholder that was what it was in, oh in, yeah um, or i was trying to convey that we ha- we have seen some crazy stuff right um but but beholders are they're serious business yeah and uh the uh, whether i believe it was um it was tried to the the, the individual we were speaking to conveyed to us that he was with us um but i tried to make it i tried to make it obvious that all the same that made lucas pretty uncomfortable yeah Um, yeah that this that we would be involving ourselves with monsters of that caliber yeah and like now that you mention it it like that completely clicks like i was like oh yeah okay now i get that that's it's um but yeah it would have been better to start earlier to get this across but i'm trying now yeah i I mean one of the things i i and i think this is something that like we we might be able to uh play with a little bit more going forward is that pretty much all of the enemies up to this point have been like human or humanoid at least um and so we fight uh basilisks oh that's true (laughs) so i said most because i knew there were going to be some exceptions yeah Uh, um but i think that where the campaign is now could open up that opportunity that's ooh, that's that's another topic that i I think we can get into Uh, but i mean i guess this is more about uh just characters in general rather than specifically character creation but um sure how do you how do you think that um hmm, i'm trying to figure out how to word this question but um one of the things that i enjoyed so much about some previous campaigns and uh things is the the process of character growth of seeing your character change over time based of what's going on in like Mm -hmm. in in the campaign um i've heard like some people basically say that they they initially go in intending their character to grow in some way or they have an idea as to how it's how their character is going to change um and then other times it's just it it kind of just happens throughout the campaign um Mm -hmm. do you typically like when you create a character do you typically have something in mind as to how they're going to grow or change or are you more uh trying uh, more we'll see how the story goes and i'll I'll react appropriately when things come along it depends a lot on your dm um but Historically, uh, that I don't. Hmm, for as many characters as I've made, I've actually um, gotten to play for a great length of time. Very few of them. Yeah. Um, with that said, when I when I created um, Arban, let's say, um, yeah, no, uh, I didn't have a very good idea of where he was going, um, and that was okay. um, that. So, for, so for that instance, no, I did not have any. I, I had, I had almost no idea where he was going, and part of that was because we were playing um, Lost Minds, and right. um, for the most part, 
a substantial amount of his character was informed by those little blocks of text that are handed to you by the pre-made characters That's for true. Um, Lost Minds. So yeah. the reason that he is um, in Ogma's service to begin with is because Lost Minds said so. <laughs> huh. So, did you not know that? No, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, that's actually... Um, uh, uh, you, you, should, you should go back and look at some of those... Um, blocks of text and see if you can figure out which one inspired Yafrim. Um do you do you recall? There oh, are different gosh. uh Yeah, I, it's like we I'm pretty sure we all pulled from one of those existing uh blocks of text for our original characters. Yeah, I I'll I'll have to look. Like I don't know I don't know off the top of my head. Like I, I knew, I knew. Like we, we all created our characters with some connection to that campaign, but I don't even That's remember correct. what it was but at this. They were, uh, they right were. Now. Um, those were those motivations were all informed by the pre-made character sheets for the module. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So you'd have to, you should take a look at those sometime. Oh yeah, that see, that see that'll be interesting. Out. See if you can you can find all four of our characters in there, or all all three, because we didn't have uh, Josh at that time. Yeah, we didn't have Josh but, then. Um, yeah, it's interesting, interesting stuff. Um, so so there was not a great deal of foresight on our vein, which is why one of the reasons I'm so grateful to Nick for kind of forcing, uh, forcing um some interesting character development yeah um as far as uh, Lu uh characters that i've made since including um lucas yeah um i'm looking at some of the some of the characters i've made since um since arbane and um I, I i haven't gotten to play many of them for very long yeah um so I'm not sure if I had an idea of where they would go. It didn't pan out, obviously. Right. Yeah. Um, but for Lucas in particular, um, yes, like baked into the cake from the beginning, there was the idea that he wanted to become a knight and he had not accomplished it yet. Yeah. So there was there was that to work with. Um, that was something something he wanted to do, uh, that would require him to change at least somewhat. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was probably the first thing that I knew about him, um, from a storytelling perspective about what, what would change about him over time. Yeah. Um, and then there were other things that followed. I can go into some of those things. Sure. I mean, okay. Um, so for instance, um, there is this idea, um, that he is, uh, as a child, he looked up to knights because he saw them as the force that kept order in his city and right. um he valued the um the kind of the sh the chivalry and like the sense of um promoting justice um and um he believes in those concepts very strongly even if um he's I think one of the arcs that I was looking for him to take, and, and there's still plenty of time to accomplish this, obviously, is yeah. um, that he, he he thinks that the way to become a knight is to put um, justice and, um, and order first. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that his kindly nature will be 
um, will make that difficult for him because he like, and I think this started to exhibit itself um, actually in in uh, the last session that we recorded. Now, this is going to go up long after that, I presume. Uh, yeah. So, so I won't be spoiling things. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't listened to, uh, I think it's episode thirty-one, or is it yeah, it'll something be like that. If you haven't listened to episode thirty-one, I mean, we we've touched on briefly what happens, but not that much. No, um, we, mentioned, we mentioned something about a beholder. That was it. yeah. yeah. So nothing, um, nothing to go off of with that. No. Um, if you haven't listened to that yet, or if you haven't caught up yet, or you don't, if you care about spoilers, um, go back and listen to that episode first before coming back here. But yeah, anyway. You have been warned. Yes. Um, right. So the, um, trying to recall her name. Sylvia. Sylvia. That's right. Thought it started with an S. Um, Yes. Um, Lucas felt a certain degree of compassion for her because it seemed to him that she was... The, 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 it seemed to him that there was a substantial... There was at least a chance that um, she had not done... She had not acted willingly um, right. in committing the, the murders that had led up to that point. Um, right. And uh, as such, um, I think he is starting to kind of see that there may be a conflict between... I I think he's going to have to realize that being a knight does not mean you get to uh, enforce justice as you see it. It means that you have to to enforce the law as it is written. Mm -hmm. And um, that sometimes that means you have to do things that uh, are cruel. Um, and, um, that's something that I'm interested in exploring with him, so. Yeah. Um, and that's, so that's, that's kind of the, the knight angle. There's also, Mm -hmm. um, the, he's going to have to learn to be brave. Um, Right. So, I think those are kind of two of the, the major things I'm interested in. Um, and then here's, here's another thing that, that I, this is kind of similar to the, this is going back, going back to the first point about how the the law is not compassionate. I guess let's say, right? Um, uh, or it, it may not always feel compassionate, right? Yeah. At any rate, um, that his parents are both criminals by all standards, right? Yeah. Um, they're 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 crime lords basically. Yeah. And so this eventually will put him. It, 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 I I I. It is my hope that eventually he will be put at loggerheads with them, um, because that sounds like a really interesting story moment. Uh, be- be- because he, d- they are his parents. He's not going to to find it easy um, to punish them in the ways that the law might demand, or yeah. to or to allow them to be punished in the ways the, in the way the law might demand. Right. But as a civil servant. He is required to at least stand by, if not execute that justice. Yeah. Of course, he's not yet a knight, and he may it may be that at some point he decides he can't commit to um uh enforcing the law of what and there's many orders of knights, so this is something that we can play with. Um Right, which, yeah, yeah. What, finding an order that, that that works for him. 
but he will eventually need to realize that becoming a part of a collective of that kind means you don't get to make uh, decisions that seem best to you anymore. Right. So those are kind of some of the some of the things that I've been that 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 uh, I think about when I think about where where his character might go. Yeah. I'm not even I'm not even certain that he will wind up becoming a knight. It's possible. It seems like the it, 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 to some degree it seems like it, w- it would be demanded by the fact that that's the premise of the character um, that that right. payoff would be required. I don't know that that's the case. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, going back to Yashrin, I mean, because we're talking about characters, and I'm the DM, so I don't have a real character in Fate's Gambit, but um. Yashrin, um, like I, I kind of knew where he wanted to go from from the get go. Is like, mm-hmm. um, it was going to be kind of, um, I, I left some things intentionally open. Uh, the the whole betrayal, uh, his, his, with his apprentice betraying him, I left that completely open because that that was basically, here you go, Nick, do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. I look He's forward very good to at that. Yeah. Um I look forward to seeing what you end up doing with this. Um mm-hmm. but him I guess the initial intention was like him grappling with um like how far you'd go to get what you want because like he's basically been backstabbed and things taken away from him and he's been taken advantage of. Um, and so with dabbling into the College of Whispers, it was like kind of he was on a trajectory for um, it, dipping into using uh, less than morally upright means in order to get what he wants. Um, and I think one of the one of the reasons why like the his character growth was uh, powerful to me is. He went down that path and decided, no, 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 I, I don't want to do this anymore. Like that's, I'm, I'm drawing the line here. <laughs> uh, and so he basically near, near the end of, uh, like near where we stopped is when it started. Like he started actually recognizing that, like, all these other bad things are happening, and, um, there's a lot of other people that are doing exactly the same thing and just kind of doing whatever they want, and consequences are whatever as long as you get what you want um or not consequences but like the the method uh the end justifies the means is kind of the 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 i'll say the moral struggle that he was dealing with and um it ended up that the like his actions and the things he was put through kind of changed his mind as to how far he was willing to go um and hence uh that is when i started talking with nick about okay like the college of whispers is getting into a direction that i don't think fits uh it fits yashrin i i like starting to play out his character more and making these decisions into who he is as a person and like this this subclass doesn't fit anymore um Mm -hmm. and so um and i I think that's something interesting with like as you continue to build out your character is um 
obviously there are certain things that you kind of have an idea from the get-go of where, where you want them to go, but also um, one of the things that I enjoy about kind of building out your character as you level up and do things is um, changing what you're specking into based off of, like, uh, roleplay, uh, from a roleplay perspective. Because, um, like, I could have been the damage DPS bard if I kept going into College of Whispers. Um, but, and I, I like, the, there's still going to be a little of it because <laughs> I'm just basically just taking a fighter subclass essentially <laughs> with a, with a bard, but, um, I, I, I think I'm, yeah, I, I really enjoy, um, when you're building, like you're continuing to build out a character and something happens in game and that kind of shifts how you view your character and like what what spells you take what abilities you're going to use um and um a lot i don't know like i i know there's people and even my i'm like myself enjoy specking out characters and being like okay how do i do the really cool stuff Mm -hmm. um but at, at least from Yashrin's perspective, um, he's uh, I'm like taking him in such a way that there's going to be uh, like certain moral restrictions set on his ability set. Like he doesn't like using magic to trick people. Uh, so illusory magic is like something that I or charm or stuff like that is stuff that or command. Uh, is I don't I don't know if bards can know command. Oh well, um, I think they do. Uh, but, that sounds like the kind of thing that would be up their alley. Yeah, um, but those are specific abilities that he like isn't going to touch because he thinks is wrong. Um, even though they're they're good, <laughs> like completely taking out an enemy from combat for a round or more is really good. Um. But I I I like the fact that the kind of his personality is leading uh what um like how I continue to build out his his character stats and his character sheet. I think the idea of actual events in the campaign kind of changing what you're like what you're taking like the levels you're taking of your character yeah is really interesting and i think is um it's something that i really enjoy that's certainly i certainly would not have taken any levels of wizard uh right as a uh uh, an arcane archer who already has some essentially well yeah yeah, magical effects and yeah yeah it was not on my radar screen um yeah but uh, it has, I wouldn't, from a technical perspective, I wish that I had seven levels of wizard instead of um, instead of five levels of fighter and two levels of wizard. Yeah. Um, and, like, again, from a technical perspective, seven levels of fighter would still be better than five levels of, of uh, fighter and two levels of wizard. Yeah. But... It is an interesting um, way to tie uh, the technical side of the character into things that are happening uh, right. in the story. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm uh, I have enough confidence in Nick to to know that the drawbacks associated with multiclassing um, like this um, will be rewarded um, at, at least in a story way, um, right? If not, if not um, technically, so yeah. I think the uh, with with that with that change from College of Whispers to College of Valor, um, and I I had cleared this with Nick for whenever we start that campaign back up again. Um, oh, that's right, because that only that hasn't happened yet, has it? No. Okay. Um the the uh idea is basically since I'm a sort of remaking the character, kind of, um, we're rolling back i i i will be multi-classing essentially i'll have one level of rogue to kind of have something a little more permanent of um his time being sneaky i guess uh, and the experience he got from the college of whispers but the rest of the like the six levels other six levels will be the college of valor bard so i'm rolling back one level of bard and dumping it into rogue i will say one place that i definitely let personality uh and background influence the technical side of the character is when i'm choosing skill proficiencies mm -hmm. um, yeah um so for instance uh lucas is proficient in performance and persuasion yeah which yep. is totally unnecessary for a cavalier right right um yeah. but it plays in nicely to the fact that he's a braggart who likes to stand on top of tables and tell stories that are not true right um so i really like that that touch of flavor honestly i i, I love little things like that from creating characters so he has a he, i i felt that if i were if i was going to pull that off um it would be necessary uh, to have a plus large number to persuasion, <laughs> right? And yeah. performance couldn't hurt either. So, yeah, yeah. He's not a very good liar, as it turns out, though. <laughs> yeah, which is something else I like, and honestly, the fact that like he's loud and boisterous, but also like can't really keep his facts straight at the same time. Well. Yeah, if somebody pins him down, he can't he can't uh, lie his way out. I'm trying to think if there's if there's anything else. Um, I mean, yeah, we we've talked about kind of both both aspects of the character, so I don't I don't I'm trying to think if Technical there's anything and else. The, um, personal or yeah like from i guess i i had mentioned stat side before but i mean we've talked about kind of backstory and how that affects character creation sure, yeah. and that sort of stuff as well i don't know how to phrase this question but i i i, I uh so we talk i mean we've talked about uh like party dynamic when it comes to like classes and filling up roles there um do you have you ever given thought to like a party dynamic when it comes to like a personality type side of things um or you uh, know, um not really that's never um it's probably it's probably occurred to me before like i said earlier the um the 
you don't want to have more than one unwilling adventurer, for instance, yeah. if you can avoid it, because that, yeah. that's kind of weird for a dynamic. It's mm-hmm. probably it's probably it's it, having a good mix of personalities in your PCs is um, something I could have told you was desirable. Yeah, but I don't know that I've ever thought about it terribly hard um, when putting a char- putting together a character to begin with. Yeah, that's that's honestly it, it's really interesting because I, I I've um well I've been listening to some some different resources on kind of I'll say tropes and one of the big ones is like the five man band, which is like there's a bunch of different people that all full fulfill like kind of different personality roles in the group, mm. um and it's interesting because a lot of people kind of I like. When it comes to role play in D anD D, it's kind of weird because I think people do it somewhat naturally, yeah. Um, because, like, they'll see, um, and and those will be the campaigns that kind of like that go well or uh, that just feel like they're going really well because they have a, a number of different personalities that play off of each other, um. Hmm. And I I was looking back on the the previous campaign as to like I know you have uh, like I'll I'll say the quote unquote hero which is probably more the leader of the group someone who's making uh, kind of the the backbone of the group making decisions that sort of thing trying to make sure everyone's pointed in the same direction. Um, like they're and they have kind of a a foil, someone who is kind of checking up on them, making sure the the leader is actually heading in the right direction. You've got the like charismatic individual who is uh kind of the oh the feel good backbone of the party that tries to quell infighting and like a a bunch of different roles, I'll say, but it's interesting because um. I feel like a lot of parties have that dynamic going on, even though if it is like not fully intended from the from the get go. Yeah. So it just arises organically. Yeah. Which I what think is kind of weird. Are the roles? What are the five? Are there names for the five? Yes. Roles. Uh, the leader is the leader of the group. Uh, can be like mastermind, charismatic, level-headed, headstrong, whatever. Uh, basically, they're they're the ones that are kind of the dri- driving force forward. There's the uh, the lancer uh, is typically some sort of contrast to the hero um, or the leader. Um, they're the ones that are typically look at things in kind of a different perspective and uh, question why the leader is doing things that that way. Um, the quote unquote smart guy, uh, which is someone who is intelligent clever uh like they're they're the guy in the chair essentially they're they're the ones that know everything and know how to do everything it's just they can't actually go out and do it most of the time um there's the strong man of the team which is kind of self-explanatory um sure and uh the the last role is the role they call the chick which is basically so it's yeah uh (laughs) 
Um, it's typically a peacekeeping role to balance out kind of the other members pulling the group in different directions. Uh, there's often also called like the heart of the group. Um, this is basically the person that tries to keep the keep the group all together and quell any um, disagreements. Most of the time, like the, the reason why it's typically associated with a, a female is um, they're the ones that are more on the emotional side of things, I guess. They're trying to make sure everyone feels like part of it. They're the ones that make sure everyone is like it focuses on their their group as a whole and friendship and all this other stuff as opposed sure. to like a, just accomplishing certain goals. And the reason why that um, this this group is kind of it, it's seen a lot, uh, especially any um, time you have a group of heroes is because it creates some interesting dynamics. So the like character, you can play up characters off of each other. Um, mm -hmm. And each of them have, I'm sure it would a, be, it would be very easy to identify um, some of those groups in movies. Yeah. Um, for instance. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm trying to think of a good one just as an example, because Sarah has been watching through the avatar, the last airbender recently. Oh, yeah, of course. Aang's the leader because he's like, uh, I don't know. He he makes a lot of the the decisions for the group. Actually, would he be the leader? I think he fills that role for that group. Yes. Yeah. It, but he. But the thing is, because for because for the first season at least, the three of them are the whole group. Yeah. He he does fulfill more than just that role. I think. Yeah, I I'd but, agree. Um, or were you going to argue that maybe um, the the hero role ought to go to Aang instead? Or sorry, what, what was your hesitation to to say that he was the leader? Uh, at least from the initial, um, the 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 first season, um, Sokka actually makes a lot of the the decisions for the group. Mm -hmm. um, so th that was like my main hesitancy with giving just the leader to Aang because Sokka honestly right, makes yeah. a lot of different decisions and handles the logistics of the team yeah. um ironically he might be the smart guy <laughs> Sokka? oh yeah i think so yeah think yeah both. um and then and i guess spoilers if you haven't seen avatar the last airbender what are you doing listening to this if you haven't yeah um stop so go, so go we can actually go steps. through and they they do have a five they at the end they do have a five man team, um, right? Yeah. So, so spoilers. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, so Ang okay, Ang's so the leader. Uh, by the end, yeah. I would by agree. the end, um, uh, Sokka's the smart guy. Um, Katara's the heart. Make, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, ironically, Toph is the big guy. <laughs> oh yeah, and. Um, um, and Katara is your yeah, Katara is your car. So, so Zuko, that, who does that leave for Zuko? That's the Lancer. The Lancer, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is the, he, is Jin, like once he's joined the group, is he I'd still consider he, him a Lancer. Does he spend a lot of time? Okay, sure. It's just it, it like the 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 role he's still for the a Lancer. foil to him, I suppose. Yeah. I, the the reason it, the 
the the role of the lancer is primarily to highlight the differences between like the hero's approach and a different approach um and yeah. even though even though um zuko like comes around to the team at the end um he still has a different way of approaching things than ang does sure yeah i've always thought that um the i it was always my impression the when i watched the show that zuko was supposed to be most clearly contrasted with katara which was why i was well because they both um lost a parent when they were young as yeah. part of um i mean to the fire nation quote unquote right right, right. Like, and um one is i mean she's a waterbender he's a firebender yeah um and then and they 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 seemed to be playing up to um i i was expecting i was expecting them to be paired up by the end um, right so a subsection of the audience will be very unhappy with me for saying that <laughs> but i think that's what how it should have gone yeah um yeah like so there we go that's probably the most controversial thing that i've i've said during <laughs> during a, <laughs> yeah. a recording of this but that is what i was expecting i yeah. thought that that was set up um much better from a story perspective than the pairing that did wind up happening but right and um yeah i guess the uh interesting anyway so the like the the main <laughs> the main discussion uh, around this is basically each of these um each of these characters has a certain type of relationship with um with the other characters in this group they yeah. have some like a different dynamic with each different role in the group mm -hmm. and um one of the the interesting things with that is you can play off of that um and I th I think that when that comes over into like your D and D session with creating your characters and stuff, you might not intend for these roles to be filled out, but I think it's something that um, players pick up on over time. As okay, like we kind of it, it, it might not even be consciously. It's just it. it there's already characters that occupy a specific space and so you make little adjustments to your character in order to like react to the the group dynamic which i th i think is something really interesting like i i probably wouldn't focus on it and like build a character in mind with like oh yeah this guy is the smart guy i mean i don't know like i i guess there there, there are some that are easier to build for than others um i think <laughs> Ironically, the smart guy is pretty easy to build for, and the big guy is pretty easy to build for. Wizard, fighter, or, like, uh, more barbarian, I guess. I don't. I mean, <laughs> if these are personality archetypes, right? So I don't think that they should right. need to be limited to particular classes. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I was more saying your stereotypical wizard or your stereotypical barbarian is the... Sure, sure. Um, if you're, yeah, yeah, if you're looking at, like, the, the stereotype or, the like, the archetypical... Me like method of going about that then then yeah i would agree that it may not be as quite as easy to identify i guess well that's not that's not necessarily true i think i think it's easy to say well the fighter is your hero 
um that's the, true the rogue is probably or, or the rogue or the maybe like a bard or the bard is probably the hero i don't know or, but the but the rogue is probably your lancer lancer um, yeah and then what was the uh, the heart the heart would be your cleric your paladin i guess yeah yeah uh, or, you know probably not a paladin but you get the idea yeah that's true so i think you can still kind of pull those out archetypically like which one should be which that's fair um that said, we've already demonstrated that like Toph is a great example of violating the that archetype. Or yeah, absolutely. So there are. It's definitely not necessary um, to class right. accordingly. Yeah. Um. You... I, I I wonder if I wonder if that would be something worth figuring out with a group. Like. Like trying to uh, build that dynamic beforehand, beforehand, or whether it's more important to let it develop organically. That would be um, an interesting experiment to do, like try and yeah, start a campaign with each of us mm -hmm. picking out specific roles. Right. Yeah. Like you said, it, it, it's it's it, it, they probably do develop organically, but the the thing that I wonder about is if knowing your place in the group would cause more interparty interaction um yeah like for, for knowing from the get-go if that would encourage interaction because you knew your place within within the higher right i suppose yeah that is, that is interesting because like it, i mean one of the things that happens kind of i'll say semi-naturally is that uh if, if someone's good at one thing then it everyone else like once they realize that they kind of defer to that one person like okay the mm -hmm. wizard yeah. has a really high arcana check we just kind of divert all magic items to him and have him handle that sort of thing sure those sorts of things definitely develop um naturally right like everybody knows that that magic items go, go to the wizard at least for uh, analysis right um if not for for him to hold on to permanently right and the bard um, is typically the one that introduces the party to whoever and that sort of stuff sure um, yeah yeah but... that's in that's an interesting uh that would be an interesting experiment for sure to see if trying to choose that beforehand would if there would be a benefit to that or if it would be a disaster i <laughs> I, I wonder if like i wonder if those like figuring out those specific roles is what naturally makes the team like fill out the five-man band obviously it, it it depends on your party size but like fill out the different roles of the five-man band um based off of like they're good at this so we just kind of give them these things and it's like the game kind of reinforcing okay you're good at arcana you're good at like read like figuring out and reading things and then it just kind of slowly morphs into yeah he's the smart guy I wonder if that's the case, or like, I, yeah, I I wonder if the 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 nature of the character that you're playing is a larger factor than the player themselves. Yeah. Um. Because as much as people try, like most most people are not, and I I think I think I can speak for both of us at least, mm -hmm. if not for the the whole group. But I think I think for most people, it's not easy to completely set aside your own personality and the way that you would act um yeah when you're playing a character so i feel like if you were to psychoanalyze a whole bunch of players and their characters 
or like if you were to follow one player across their characters across you know different campaigns where they were playing very very different characters from one campaign to the next yeah uh i still think that you it's as much as they might try i think their personalities will tend to to have traces of their own oh absolutely and i wonder if for that reason they wind up filling the same role within the party oh yeah um, yeah that's interesting. so I, that, that's basically what i was what i was trying to get to is that i i it's my suspicion that the player is a larger factor in what role they fill in the party than the personality of the character they're actually playing interesting yeah yeah i could see that because like I, because I guess... it's difficult to separate the two yeah, I, I think some of the best characters come about, uh, like, you playing off of or, like, magnifying a portion of your personality anyways, because you're just taking something you already know and, like, amplifying it, essentially. Sure, um, yeah. It's, it, you, can't, you can't play what you don't know. So. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's yeah. hard, anyway. Yeah, it, it is hard and would take concerted effort to kind of put yourself into that different mind space um i know some people have absolutely no trouble um some some uh some people i've known have absolutely no problem playing characters of the opposite sex for instance and yeah um i've done that exactly once when you know, like when you dm you have to do you have to voice female characters oh yeah yeah, yeah um but it's a very different thing to at least in my mind, and this is probably this probably shows that I'm a bad DM, but it um it shows I think I think to me playing a um female character feels very different from just having to voice one for a few moments, mm. um and that's I I've done it I've only done it one time and it is um it's something that is foreign to me and I think right. that it is cool that you can explore that stuff in D&D. &D. Yeah, absolutely. And think absolutely. about how someone very different than you thinks. Um, yeah. How they would act in certain situations. But it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. <laughs> If you like what we do, uh, we are on various platforms. You can follow us, subscribe to us, whatever, um, so that you're notified whenever a new episode comes up. Um, if you are interested in announcements and stuff like that, um, you can go to our Facebook page, TableQuests, uh, our Twitter, at TableQuests, on our subreddit, r slash TableQuests. If you have any um, interesting thoughts about character creation or playing out a character in a D&D campaign that uh, you want to let us know. I think that just about wraps things up. So uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week. Josh can just edit this part out. Grab your dice and your... DM's guide and your character sheets because this is a session. This is a session. Uh, this is not a session. This is something completely different. So I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. Uh, if you.
I don't know why I'd, I'd started if you uh, like I I don't know why my my mind went if you if you enjoyed listening to this podcast leave us a like subscribe no because um, that's what they should do <laughs> yeah I mean because we're pre-recording this and I don't know if we're gonna yeah this probably won't even go up until like August or something yeah thanks for. Sticking around, and we will be in your ears. In your, I was gonna say inbox, but that's not it. <laughs> we, thanks, thanks for sticking around, and we will see you next week. Uh, not see you. I don't know how to rock your push notifications. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> thanks something. for sticking around, and we will be bringing deep, sweet, melodious D and D discussions or act. Sweet melodious D and D things to your ears next week. <laughs> Gosh, uh, I just like can't end the podcast not on a cringy note.